1: Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Cow Corner podcast. Uh, We're here today to review uh, the amazing third test between Australia and India. Um, A lot to talk about in this one and we've got a full Cow Corner in which to do it. Uh, Good morning to Glenn in Wyoming, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Zach, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you, Zach. Very, very well. After a a long night of test cricket, I've just woken up and... (laughs) Great to chat with you all about it. And Will, how are you feeling after that amazing drawn test match?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I have a lot of mixed feelings, which we'll get into. And I'm currently mid-self-isolating uh, with a COVID scare. So it's going great over there.
1: <laughs> what, what a great start to the year, eh? Um, we'll come on to this amazing test and the storylines that have come out of it. Uh, but a bit of news to start you off with. Um, we're quite caught up on the news here at Calcorny. you have had a lot of pods recently. So there's not too much news, but... Uh, Zach, some news on the PSL, um, the signings, and a lot of English talent going over there uh, for the tournament that starts on the 20th of Feb.
0: Yeah, a lot of English talent. I think it's worth noting that I think the English Test players will miss the first half of the tournament, and then the English One Day players will miss the second half. So a lot of the England players who are, there, I mean, a lot of the England players who are there might not make the squads anyway. If they do, they won't be there for the whole tournament.
1: Has Dom Sibley been signed in the PSL? That's that's fantastic news.
0: <laughs> oh, I would love to see that, but unfortunately not. But one interesting thing that has come out of it is that Chris Gale and Tom Banton have been selected for the same team for the Keta Gladiators. So that'll be interesting to see. And also, I think if English fans are looking for a team to support, it could be Islamabad United who have got Alex Hales, Lewis Gregory, Phil Salt, Reece Topley and Chris Jordan. So that's wow. a brilliant English contingent.
1: And you could shout United at the telly if they win, if, you, if you're if you a Manchester United fan as well. So, you know, that's win-win for Islamabad
0: United. And they wear red.
1: Oh, are they part of the United-like brand thing? Is it like, you know, Manchester City's teams in the US? Or uh, who knows? I'll be interested to see if United went into cricket. That, that would be a bit of fun. Uh, like I said, so that starts on the 20th of February. Uh, plenty of English talent going over there. Thank you for that, Zach. So um, let's go on to this third test match then. Uh, plenty coming out of it. Uh, it was a drawn test match. Uh, it finished in the in the early hours of this morning. Um, uh, interesting, the cow corner poll, uh, a huge amount of voters turned out for that one. Uh, no one predicted a draw, interestingly. Um, 40% of us had uh, Australia and 60 went for India. I went for Australia in that vote and uh, I was feeling good about it for a while. And then um, India drew the test. Well, forced the draw, nearly had the win. Um, a quick summary of it. Um, Australia's first innings, stream in 38 was, was looking like it could be a lot more before a, a sort of mini collapse um Steve Smith's 131 shepherding that innings on its way India responded with 244 again it, it could have looked a lot higher uh, 50 from Gill and Pujara uh, but nothing really in the middle to lower order and we'll come on to this at so one of the weakest tails in Test crickets kind of not helping them push those scores up by an extra 20 or 30 perhaps um australia in their second innings 312 for six declared um trying to set the game up basically uh 73 from minus labashane 81 from steve smith and a great 84 from cameron green his um sort of breakout test innings uh gave india a pretty huge target with a bunch of injuries we weren't sure if jadeja was going to be batting how was pant going to get on with his injury a quite stunning second innings, which I think captivated the whole cricketing world yesterday, regardless of where you were, at what time it was, and how much of it you were trying to consume. Um, Sharma with 52 uh, and Gil with 31 started them nicely on day four, but they both fell at the end of day four, leaving Rahani and Pujar in. Rahane fell in the second over of the fifth day, and it was looking pretty weak from there, and that's when Zach said, you know what, no, I'm off to bed. Uh, the rest of us, though, well, on a different time zone, but me and Will <laughs> hung around for what was a fantastic couple of sessions of cricket. Rishabh Pant's counter-attacking 97 uh, alongside the wall. Uh, Pujara's 77 from 205 deliveries um, kept Australia in it. And despite Pant losing his wicket uh, just before his ton, and Pujara being bowled by Hazelwood, uh, Hanuma Vihari and Ravi Chandan Ashwin with 23 and 39 respectively. I think it was 30 odd overs they batted for on, on a day five pitch. And we saw a fantastic draw and a great test match, really. But it, it's been somewhat marred, Will, by um, the racist remarks that many of the players felt on the boundary on day three and four. Um, I don't if you want to chat about this a bit. We, we kind of can't talk about the cricket before we address this. Uh, and a lot of the sledging has come from the Australian players as well and some of the issues with the Australian commentary team. It, it was day three and four and, you know, uh, Siraj kind of stopped the game. I think it was around T, just to make the umpires aware of it. Um, what have you got to say about it? And you know, it's quite an inherent issue in Australian sport, but a lot of respect for how Siraj has dealt with it, especially in his first and second Test match, um, and the things he's had to sacrifice to be here as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's difficult to know where, where to start. That was a really good summary of it, and and I think the tragedy is, as you said, we saw some unbelievable cricket at times this week, and, and as of five o'clock UK time in the morning you know it felt like it, it was a brilliant game of cricket and we were all positive emotions from the Indian side Um I went to bed just as uh, Ashwin and Fahari had got going together woke up um the next morning to see oh they they made it India draw brilliant result and then within seconds of, of seeing the result my mood just completely plummeted again because I, I did the obligatory morning scroll through Twitter and so all the the shenanigans that have gone on, and the the pettiness, and, and the frankly embarrassing actions from some members of the Australia team, um, and it completely put the result in a different in a different light. To the point where we've seen so much exciting cricket on this tour in, in all the matches, but as an India supporter and as 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 someone with Indian heritage, I'm, I'm sort of fed up now. And <laughs> I kind of I'm I'm almost looking forward to the end of the tour. I want I want them out of there. I can't wait for England to tour India and, and get some slightly more positive cricket going because we've seen a litany of problems in Australia, none of which surprise anybody. Um, we saw, obviously, as you alluded to, the racist abuse that that, um, that Siraj stood up to and, and absolutely good on him for his reaction to it. There's there's a brilliant article, which maybe we can link to in the description uh, by Bharat and Sandhrysan about um, the importance of standing up to racism in the way that Siraj did it. So full respect to him for that. But I have to say that the the response of the Australian players and cricket organisation to that was less than impressive. They did the obligatory statement put out saying, well, we don't agree with this and we'll investigate it. Tim Payne stood in a huddle with the Indian players the next day. But that was about it. And then 24 hours later, we saw a different kind of abuse take place with sledging from the Australian captain to Ashwin using language that just doesn't need to be done and you know, saying to him amongst a brilliant stoic performance, he's like, oh, nobody likes you, dickhead, to Ashwin, which, and and, and other repeated things, which there's, there's just no need for. And I think everyone in Australian cricket, yet again, has to take a look at themselves and the way that their behavior encourages a culture where amidst a global pandemic, you have to remember, this is not a normal situation. This is an India team who have to come thousands of miles away from their families and friends and their own support these Australian players are not just their competitors, they're their hosts in the country. They're the people who are supposed to be welcoming them there. Um, And not only do they not particularly properly stand up against the racist abuse from Australian fans, they then themselves go and deliver a load of abuse on the field of play. Um, And amidst an Indian batting performance last night, which was so worthy of respect and credit. And even if they hadn't got a result, respect is the key word you have to admire the courage that the batsman showed, for that to be rewarded with such a complete lack of respect between sportsmen on the pitch um, is, is, is pretty disgraceful, to be honest with you. And it's, and it's worth going through, again, this, the, the litany happened, of, of things which happened. We had Payne's comments. We had Wade making fun of injuries and, and saying Ashford was going to get a broken rib despite half the Indian team being injured, which is a slightly poor taste. You had, I'm sure others will talk about Smith's kind of, whether you think it was malign or not, weird cuffing off of, of the pitch while the players were off. And let's not forget, just a couple of weeks ago, we had Shane Warne, rightly getting in trouble for, for calling uh, Pajara Steve and saying it's fine that uh, you know, English-speaking commentators can't learn how to pronounce Indian players' names. So, there was a lot there, and I'm I, I'm sure that wasn't as coherent as I, as I would have liked it. But, um, yeah, my emotions at the moment is is I sort of I'm almost struggling to be particularly interested in in talking about the game because it's so overshadowed by by all of these actions.
1: Really well put, mate. I think it's kind of, it has marred the whole Test match and it is hard to talk about the cricket. I think, especially when you pair, there was the horrible atmosphere around the ground from days three and four from the sidelines and from the crowd and a few people were ejected. And then for day five to have that be then translated on the pitch and... Although none of the Australian players' remarks were, uh, you know, all, like fully racist, they were they were just mean and mean-spirited, unnecessary. There's there's arguments whether it's Tim Payne's tried to put on an accent in front of Ashwin. I think we're all a bit, none of us quite agree what did or didn't happen there. Um, Cricket Australia's head of integrity and security. I can't believe there's someone at Cricket Australia with the role of head of integrity. It's a bit. Thick of it, v they've just put some guy in. Um, we once again apologise to India, and once again being the key phrase in there. It, it's so disappointing, and, and uh, I don't know where to start again. I don't know if you've got anything to say on this, Glenn, but we've got the, the, the commentary team, which have struggled to kind of pronounce, not pronounce names, but I think the Steve issue in the first test was awful, because Pujara he doesn't want to be called that. Just learn how to say my name. Um, and then there was a few last night, I think, Gilchrist accidentally mispronounced Pajara, and you can hear Warren sniggling uh, in the background and I just I find it a very uncomfortable thing watching cricket in Australia because you've got the commentary team, you've got the fans and then you've got the players and before I come to you Glenn, I just want to say uh, one quote from Justin Langer from January 2020 um, Sam Papergate said our culture had to change but one thing is for sure it will only, it will only take one piece of bad behaviour people to say there you go that's the Australian cricket team. Their culture is still shit. And I, this is it. This is that moment, right? And I think Tim Payne especially, who was kind of given the role of restoring Australia's credibility in international cricket, is the one that kind of imploded yesterday.
3: Yeah, I agree. We've all got a lot to say about this, but I don't think anyone's going to say it better than Will. We've also got a lot of really good writing about this. Um Another piece I've been reading today um, is in Wisdom by um, Yazraena, and they're saying the title is Reaction to Siraj Abuse Shows How Far Cricket Is From Being Truly Inclusive. I'm just going to read out a really short extract from that. It's a really important article, um, and it's just discussing how uh, Siraj's name um, was um, changed to Shiraz, like the drink, and there's just a really good, um, a really good quote where he's put, even if this was the extent of the accusation changing the name of the devout muslim to the name of an alcoholic drink is at best naive and distasteful and distasteful and at worst outright malicious it's not a stretch to see how mocking someone's name a mark of their faith and ethnicity portrays a feeling of unwelcome otherness towards the individual and i think that really sums it up so nicely because, like. A lot, of, a lot of discourse has been like around the intent. Are they joking around? And I think the intent is malicious here. I, I, you know, it's, it's to put him off his game. It's to make him feel like an outsider, very, very white crowd. Obviously Australia isn't the most um, diverse in the crowds of, um, of uh, countries. And yeah, I just think it, it just really does go back to the discourse we've had over the last couple of years. Like, are they? is there a kind of bully attitude among the fans? Yes. Is that in the team as well? I mean Payne, who should be leading from the front and being respectful and playing the game in good faith, was the worst offender, I would say, across the day yesterday. Will you, you mentioned some great examples. We've had we've had balls being thrown on purpose or not at injured players. You know, the hostility went beyond the game because I think it was a very it was extremely, extremely um tight situation right you know australia are expected to come in and bowl india out you can see why they'd get frustrated because india played out of their skins and played wonderfully but that just is not excuse to bring to bring the kind of amount and just consistency of maliciousness that they did it was very uncomfortable um and it really was embarrassing and to be honest it just shows how little as we've kind of touched on in the last few minutes how little have they come since Pay as sandpaper gate and just this, you know, this this, this culture of arrogance. Um, I think yesterday showed that Payne, there's a couple of articles saying he was meant to be the statesman, the mask has fallen. Absolutely, he, he embarrassed himself and the team and the complicity of the other players. And may I point out like the, la- the complicity of the crowd, I don't think, as far as I'm aware, not many people, if any, in the crowd called out the people sat or stood next to them saying these things it says it all. I think it is, you know, Will said it was disgraceful, and I can only agree. It just, it makes, yeah, it makes talking about the cricket the second thing, which is a massive shame in such an important game. It doesn't matter as much, because this is this is really, really poor, and there's no place for it in the game.
0: Yeah, and, and like you said about the, uh, another, another comment from that article, which links to what you just said, was, another quote from it, was, the surrounding silence emboldens the person peddling hate, which I mm. thought uh, puts it really nicely, and it's so true, it's the focus of the, the other members of the crowd. Why weren't they calling him out, calling the person out, or the or the people out who were being racist? And that is something that is such an issue. And it, yeah, like you said, there's no place for it in the game. I think one thing that we is a, is a different issue, but is another kind of issue of this bullying culture that we haven't mentioned because obviously it's been overshadowed and isn't isn't the same issue. Is is the comments from Andrew Simmons and Shane Warne that were meant to be off air about Marna Slabashen. Talking about hogpiling him because of yeah, his yeah. because of his idiosyncrasies and the way he moves, and saying effing bat normally and things like that, which is it's part of the same culture. It's a different issue, and it's, yeah. it it shows how far this goes in their culture. That obviously it's not acceptable to say it to players who are on the other team, but you wouldn't expect it of player, well you wouldn't expect either one, and neither is acceptable. But to say it to a member of their own team is 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 a different level, and it's it's. It is, like you say, it's, some, it's just a show of their wider culture around their sport, and it's something that, like, well, like you both, like everyone's alluded to very nicely. Tim Payne was meant to be the man to get rid of this because his, you know, his batting isn't 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 anything special really. His wicket-keeping, as I'm sure we'll come on to, not anything special, but his statesmanlike persona was meant to be what dragged Australia out of a terrible crisis and dragged them into a new era of being being a team who are very good at cricket and that's kind of it they win cricket matches from being very good at cricket they don't win cricket matches for being abusive and obviously that culture feeds into the crowd i'm not saying it's tim payne's fault that there were that there were racist abuse in the crowd but it does the culture feeds the culture
3: can i just throw in one more thing that um kawaja uh, indigenous um obviously cricketer for australia he's talked very openly about his um experiences with racist abuse playing cricket from a young age um in australia and you know this this feeling of feeling like a second class citizen to to, to totally paraphrase him but yeah i think obviously this goes way deeper than just the pitch and the fans this is this is something that's clearly seen as acceptable in australian society um And it's just it's it's just distressing. And I mean, I I think, Will, you're quite right to say, you know what, just uh, quite looking forward to India moving on, getting out of there, doing themselves absolutely proud on the pitch, proud off the pitch, hopefully beating Australia. That would be a perfect poetic end to this and getting on with it because they're sacrificing so much to be here. And it's, it's abhorrent, the treatment they're getting during a pandemic. It's just not right.
1: I think that pride surrounding the India team is a good thing to focus on as well because I think most of the cricketing world has just said how amazing they've been. I think how Siraj dealt with it. I don't know if you've come on to this, Will. How in his second test match, he has been in isolation for however long. He's had to miss the funeral of his father, who sadly died recently as well. And he's playing cricket for his country. and He's getting this kind of abuse on the boundary. And instead, as the article so Beautifully said. Instead of like letting it happen or responding to it with humour, as the writer said he did in with his racial abuse in Australia, went to the umpires and, and kind of went through the systems that are in place in which to deal with this. We'll see how it's be- we'll see how it's dealt with because it's still ongoing. But you know, a word for Suraj and, and what what he's done. You know, we're not even talking cricket at the minute uh, uh, in his second test.
2: Yeah, I think the first thing to say on that is just how much of a personal tragedy it is for him that this is going to massively overshadow what's a really successful first tour with the national side for him. And there was a, a clip that got a lot of coverage. Um, I think at the start of this test of him in tears, when the national anthem was sung at the beginning, he's so, so proud to play for his country. And, and after everything that he's been through, as you alluded to being, being in an isolation bubble, thousands of miles away, when you hear about the passing of your father is, is such like an unimaginable you know, situation to come out of this whole tragedy this year with the pandemic. Um, and for this to have then happen to him on top of it is is, is unbelievable. I, I, I feel so much for him. But as you said, the way that he stood up to it was was truly emblematic and iconic for how um, everybody, you know, at their best should. Not that they should be expected to, because it's incredibly difficult when, when you're faced with that sort of thing. Um, but we should all be incredibly proud of, of him that he did that. The other thing I don't want to say on the Siraj incident, because it was it was symptomatic of how, I don't think that the Australian cricket authorities understood the magnitude of what was going on properly, was on the day that that happened, and the commentators used this phrase as well. I can't remember exactly who was on commentary at the time, but they used this phrase "antisocial language, which got put up on the, on the big screens in the stadium. They said to all fans, if you hear anyone using antisocial language, please report them. What does that mean? And anti-social language might be like, you're swearing in a park when there's kids around. Racism is racism, and the failure of authorities to call that out and to be absolutely clear in the culture of what that is, um, is, is part of the whole problem. Is I completely agree with, with what Zach says, the culture feeds the culture. Um, and it's, of course, it's important to say that as as, Engle- as people who live in England, we're by no means exempt from this, and English sport has its own set of problems. But one of the few positives to come out of the last couple of years in, in, in English sport is I do think we're starting to talk much more openly about this kind of problem. Um, it's interesting, I, I can't remember exactly who the players were but I think the last time that, that England fans um, experienced racial abuse when they were uh, in a country uh, in Europe there were two black players making their debut for England that day Um it was a similar situation to Siraj and that did prompt a, a much bigger conversation in English football about how we respond to racism not to point to problems in other countries but to think about how we have to cover these things ourselves what are the correct actions from the broadcasters and the authorities and what needs to happen next and obviously, we're, we're not Australian, so maybe there is more of that conversation happening, but I haven't seen it. All, all I've seen from Australian fans on Twitter is people questioning whether it was racist or not, questioning what was said, saying, as Glenn alluded to, oh, it's just banter, it's just stuff that happens on the field of play, is often the defence here. And this constant questioning of having to prove that we're having a conversation about racism, so the hoops you have to jump through and the euphemisms people use, antisocial language, banter, sledging, all of this stuff is part of the problem.
3: Yeah, I just want to say a great comparison. It was Bulgaria. Um, October 2019 is when the um, England football team suffered some horrendous abuse. There were fans, in quotation marks, making Nazi salutes in the crowd and stuff like that. And I think Will's very right to point to that as an incident that A, should never have happened, but B, did create a discussion where I think some positive things came out of it because that incident was especially horrendous, just just the visceral nature of it. And I think that got people talking as well. But I think it's also important to point out it shouldn't come to that point. There shouldn't have to be Indian players complaining about abuse for it to be talked about. And I think you're so right. Language matters with this. And I think anti-socialist just just glosses it over. I mean, anti-socialist is me clapping when um, an Australian fielder dropped the ball in the women's ashes <laughs> and I got a few <laughs> dirty looks for that. I feel like that's anti-social behavior. It's certainly not racism. So I think it's it's that says it all. I mean, that even in those words, they're trying to water down what is an exceptionally serious thing.
1: And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Australia as a country, as a cricketing board, as you know, broadcasters and players all respond to this because I think there's issues in all those I just mentioned. The, the commentary team's had its fair share of issues over the past, you know, two or three weeks with, with some of their own players. They're just abusing them with um, issues on pronouncing names. It's not that complex, guys. Um, the players showed their true colours I think on, on day five and then we've had the issue with the crowd that we've just spoken about so you know I don't know who this head of integrity is but I think he's going to have a pretty busy email inbox for the next couple of weeks and we'll obviously keep an eye on how Australia starts to deal with this and we'll hope for for way less issues in, in the test at the Gabba. I don't think there'll be fans at that test with the coronavirus situation going on there but, you know, I think the players have got a lot to answer for. Tim Payne's already held his hands up saying it wasn't good enough, but I, I think his time is limited in that position now, not only because he's rubbish at batting and dropped three catches, but because he can't captain this team or um, create the environment thereafter. It's clearly something very wrong in there. So we'll see how that's addressed. But come on, let's move on to the cricket now. Um, we have to because... I don't say one of the all-time great tests, but in the past 10 years, 20 years in Australia, it's one of the greatest tests, I think, and so much has come out of it. I think we have to start with India because they are the, the headline makers from that day five stand, losing only three wickets on a day five pitch in Australia against one of the best bowling attacks in the world at the minute, if not of all time in Australia. Um, and some unbelievable performances. Where do we start, Will? Um, it has to be Rishabh Pant, doesn't it? Pantball at its absolute finest. And I, I actually stayed up and watched most of this. I was only catching the first few hours of the first few days. But this is what Rishabh Pant's all about, isn't it? And it was such a shame we didn't get to that 100.
2: It was. We've been calling for Pantball on Cal Corner every time it's available to us. So <laughs> it was It was unbelievable to see it get going. Um, and it was, it was one of the few things that could keep us all awake until 4am UK time. Um, and yeah, as you say, it's such a shame that he, he he was one shot away from his hundred. And, and but of course he he went for it. And the phrase everyone is using is if you live by the sword, you die by the sword, and that sums him up really. So three short of a century, but we'll call it basically a century. It's it's a pant equivalent. Um, and 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 he had a, a, a wonderful partnership with uh, with Pajara with completely opposite style. Those two batting together was like a buddy cop movie turned into a cricket duo. It was it was brilliant to watch. Um, and there was a time that it threatened to become like Edgebaston all over again. We had Pant in the Stokes role, and, and there, there was a win on the cards, probably until Vahari did his hamstring, uh, which was a shame um, and meant they couldn't run at all.
0: Um, ben Jones, who works for CrickViz, who often does some good tweets, did a very good tweet. He said, Richard Pant watched Headingley 2019 and thought, yeah, sure, but what if Stokes had batted like that from the beginning? From the beginning. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Spot on, isn't it? And it was, I wasn't. I feel like the English comms, if this was an England player that, that got out of the way, Panther would have got right down his throat. May, I don't know, maybe yes or no, but I think rightly so. Everyone's gone, you know what, fine. That was an unbelievable knock. And he knocked Nathan Lyon out of the attack. And you very rarely see that. And yeah, Glenn, a sort of comment on on him and then how well he and Pujara work together. Um, you know, I think he's the, the wall number two now, isn't he, Pujara? He, he plays such a... Uh, <laughs> It's beautiful in its own way, let, let's say. But a word on Pujara and Pant.
3: Yeah, I just want to say as a batting unit, it's the most impressed I've been with India for for quite a while. I think throughout this test, everyone contributed. Um, I think the openers, Rohit and Gil, were a wonderful combination. Uh, they got a 50 each. Um, they both had an opening stand, which hasn't happened for a couple of games in a row now. So they set the foundation um, again with this, and they're both quite attacking players, um, and Gil looks so classy, I mean, for for his age he's been thrown into this cauldron, as we've discussed, of a, of a game, of an environment, and he just looked assured, but to answer your question, I mean, Pant was brilliant, I had the pleasure of watching most of uh, his innings if not all of it, and it, I'm just sad that Lyon was the one to get him because they were like, oh, Lyon won that battle, I was like, no he didn't, Pant won it, Pant completely demolished him he took what should have been an easy, you know, easy in quotation marks, a very straightforward haul of wickets for line. It's a 50 pitch. It should be turning. He should be getting a five for if he's one of the best off spinners in the world in home conditions. He just came out and clattered him around and um, humiliated him. It's fair to say. Um, such a shame he didn't get his hundred, but he he'd done his job. And fair fair play to the um, whoever made the decision for India to to promote him to um, fifth because everyone thought it was going to be vihari coming in who him and Ashwin did a match-winning job don't get me wrong but had it been vihari Rahani and just it all went a little bit flat suddenly you've got Lyon coming back into the game and you've got the boulders on top that's not going to happen when um oh it's Pajara Pajara and, and Pamp really was um, that that um, combination. but when you've got such a brilliant counter counterattacking um, batsman, it was just and you, usually those innings that you don't get past 30, we've talked about him making useful 30s and 40s for India but the fact he took it a step further and in all but name got 100 basically it was wonderful and yeah um, Pajara was was excellent you know it was a 205 ball 77 um, and it was very interesting to see him accelerate at times. You know we're used to him blocking and blocking. We thought that's the role he's going to play, but over the innings, there are a couple of times I think he got successive fours and wasn't afraid to to go on the attack. So Rahani did actually struggle this test for for runs, which which was a shame. But everybody else pretty much stepped up, and it was it felt like a real unit. Whereas the Australia team will get onto that. It feels like individuals and players, and yeah, there's some exciting young players coming in. Um, the opener and green especially, but it really felt like a unified team. And that's before we even talk about the injuries, which which were just unbelievable throughout the test. And, and the fact that, you know, Vihari's batting without a runner, they've ch- changed the rules. So he wasn't, a, a runner wasn't available to get. It was just outstanding. And I think, yeah, Pujara and Pan did a brilliant job. The openers set the groundwork and then Vihari and Ashwin just batted hours to, to keep injured in the game and it was it was incredible stuff.
1: On on those injuries because Pant was batting with he had a knock on the elbow in the in the first innings, didn't, yep. didn't keep a bit of controversy there about can you have a man a better keeper keep for an innings and then the better batsman come in. But I I can't be bothered with this podcast to be perfectly honest with you. There's too much else yep. to speak about. But yep. he hit um he hit a pull shot fairly early in his innings. Um he didn't quite complete the shot. It spooned up towards square leg and luckily fell short. And I thought, oh, he, he looks in a bit of trouble here, uh, injury-wise. And then he played out of that. And the way he played Lion, he was hitting him against the spin over um, Cal Corner. Um, thank you, Rishab. Um He was hitting it inside out over cover. And Lion had no responses. And yeah, I hate the idea, Glenn. You're right that Lion won that battle. What a load of nonsense. Um, and then, Zach, do you want to chat about um, Hanuma Vahari? I mean, he looks... I don't know, I don't know where I'm at, I'm at with Vahari because... I think he bats at three for his state side. People are saying he might want to come and open. He was down the order on what was a masterstroke to bring Panning at five. But I think his technique and his skills was just right for this sort of innings, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think he he certainly, I'd say he's probably the most under pressure of of this unit. But he batted very well. He, you know, He held on, which is what they needed to do. He was... You Know he was he was brilliant in and he especially injured like they could have you know because they ended up less than 100 runs away and if if he didn't get injured it i mean all four results including a, an actual tie would have been on the cards <laughs> with this game but yeah i mean i feel like he's he may have saved himself and he won't i don't know if he'll get dropped i'm sure we'll come on to it but he's i think he might have saved himself with this brilliant you know, resolve to just bat and bat and bat, which is what he needed to do it in the situation, especially with, heart, with like one leg. So, I mean, I wish I could bat that well on one leg.
1: And he was so well complimented by um, Ravi Chandran Ashwin, who I, I kind of forgot is an all-rounder. Are we all in agreement that he's a bowling all-rounder? Are we happy with that? Uh, good. He didn't he didn't bowl that well, though. Will, do you want to chat about the bowlers a bit? Because I don't think he looked as threatening as Lion. Uh, he was obviously great in the second test. Didn't look that threatening in this test. Um, and then a word on Saini's debut. That's kind of really gone under the radar. He okay-ish. I don't know what your your grading for him would be from this test.
2: Yeah, I think okay-ish is fair. He got, got a couple of wickets first innings, didn't he? Um, and then it, it, it was a weird pitch. The Aussie commentators kept shouting, "There are demons in this pitch." But then, it <laughs> did, I mean, it, it did Warren was seem-
1: obsessed with that, by the way. Warren <laughs> War would not let that go. He was he was a man possessed, and he was also sorry to interrupt you there, Will obsessed with this fake bowling lineup that he kept... They put... Because Pat Cummins has got the best average, uh, I think, after 33 tests of any paceman. So they just kept talking about this. And, like, there was an amazing test match going on and Warren totally forgot about it. And he was talking about the demons in the pitch. But, yes, sorry. Carry on, Will. Yeah,
2: they were just busy trying to come up with their Australia team of the century, um, which I think they landed on Mitchell Johnson at the end of things, in case anyone's interested. That's,
1: after all that, they came up with Mitchell
2: Johnson. Jeez, man. Yes. Um... But, yeah, it was obviously, you know, at, at the end of the day, although you'd say good result in the end, the, yeah, you the will obviously look at their, they didn't take the wickets that they did want to take in the end. And a big part of that was that Smith fountain form, um, which was a shame. Uh, and, and, and yeah, as you say, Ashwin not quite as good a performance this game as, as he put in uh, the previous attempt, but I'm not hugely concerned by any of the bowling performances from India. Um, I think they were sort of, as you say, OK, but not spectacular pretty much all round.
1: Yeah, I think that's spot on, really. And we can come on to that now. There's going to be a few selection issues for that next test match. So we've got Ravi jadeja injured, um, probably out for a couple of the England Tests as well with a, with a broken finger. Was it a thumb? A, a broken part of his hand of some sort, um, which is a real shame. I, I would love to see him back. I'd, I'd love it if they were nine down and out walks Ravidjadeja. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, so, I mean, what's going to happen there, do we reckon? Uh, a lot of the commentators are saying they might bring Saha in and play Pant just as a batsman. I don't know if what everyone thinks about that. But then you've only got four bowlers. But if you do bring in someone like Kool Deep as a second spinner, your tail gets even longer and worse, as it already is. So, Glenn, I don't know what you want to say about that.
3: A couple of things. I mean, well, number one, how it feels like weeks ago since Jijaz got his fourth in the first innings. I mean, that feels like a that year was the, ago. That was this
1: match. Jeez. That was
3: this match and this oh. week, um, <laughs> in 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 the calendar week. So, I mean, he did a great job. He's gonna his his batting, bowling, and fielding is gonna be dearly missed. He's a really integral part of this team and a personality. We all we all love him. Um, I think Suraj bowled beautifully. I don't think the scorecard um, two wickets across the game. I think he bowled better than that. Very unlucky not to get more wickets. Hit a great length. Um, yet, Sani coming in uh, did pretty well. Again, I think uh, I watched quite a bit of him in the Australia second innings, and he could, he was unlucky to only get two of the wickets. I think they both bowled. They both impressed me. Um, with Bumrah, I actually think the pace is in for an inexperienced attack. I think he's in a pretty good place. Um, I think the the pace did well. Yeah, I think the spin, I think, yeah, Ashwin struggled um, more than I was expecting, three wickets across the game. Again, similar to everyone else, but he just didn't look as fluent as he usually would, which it turns out is because of a back injury. Um, and I didn't even know until today that he was batting with a seriously bad back injury. Um, and if you do want to see something funny online, his wife... Um, Privy Ashwin was live tweeting throughout the game, and it really is funny. Wisdom have an article um, pulling together some of her best tweets, especially when it got when it got um, a little bit um, out of hand with pain. Uh, it was great to see her firmly on on her husband's side. Um, very funny. Uh, but yeah, in terms of um, you know generally looking at the bowling attack, yeah. I think there's going to, obviously, with injuries, there's going to have to be changes made. I don't I don't even know if Ashwin is going to be a doubt for this for the game in a couple of days. Back injuries are very difficult to get over quickly. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of enforced changes. Um, I do think, unfortunately, Pant uh, batted brilliantly, but I do think his keeping was not test standard, if we're going to be brutally honest, especially the first innings. Um, I think Payne saw that he struggled and decided to do worse, which we loved. <laughs> he, he was desperate to be the worst test keeper of this uh, of this match. So yeah, I do think um, Sahar's going to come in. I think he kept brilliantly. He got a really nice wicket down the leg side in the second mm-hmm. innings. I'm trying to think who it was um, who it was from, but it I think was
1: it was, off. It was, it was, it was Uh I think Boomer bowled it, but it was it was an important time to get him as well because Labuschagne and Smith never give up chances, do they?
3: Absolutely. And um, yeah, and it's quite interesting that the scorecard reads caught sub four times. So <laughs> as you said, you won't get into it, but there is a bit of that injury debate in there. Not, not very important in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, I think, to be honest, I think the batting overall was probably more impressive um, than the bowling for India in this game. I think, as I said, everyone really impressed me with the bat, whereas I think Ashwin especially, just struggled to find the rhythm that we'd hope to get from him. I think there's going to be a lot of changes and I'd like to hear who you think are going to come in in terms of the bowlers.
1: I think on that, if you compare it to Australia, I mean, India took 16 wickets, Australia took 15 wickets. It wasn't that easy to get wickets on this pitch. So I agree with all of you pretty much that whilst being unspectacular, there's nothing, you know, chaotic happening in that bowling lineup. Um, so Zach, let's have a quick look at ahead of the fourth test because we've got a series tied at 1-1. Uh, a draw will be enough for India to retain the Border Gavaskar trophy. They'll obviously want to try and win the series. Australia need to win the series to get that trophy. So, there's a lot on the line here. As Glenn alluded to, enforced changes. Um, Whispers, Mayank might be coming back in. He was talking quite intently to a coach, which automatically means he's going to be opening. Uh, what do you reckon, Zach? What, what do we think for that that fourth test? And what would you like to see as well?
0: I think it's interesting you mentioned Mayank talking intently to a coach because what I saw was that it wasn't that he was just talking intently to a coach. The The tweet I saw was that he was talking about his batting, even though obviously no idea how they would have known he was talking about his batting, <laughs> but they were definitely talking about his batting. I'd love to, I'd love to know that. I'd love to hear that. They were actually talking about who they were picking as captain for the free hit week for fantasy football <laughs> as, you know, they may not have been talking about his batting, but yeah, Mayan could come in. I think what they do with that, that in itself seems like a bit of a, a weird change because Gil and and Sharma like Glenn alluded to have been a, quite a good opening partnership probably well, probably the best opening partnership this whole series because opening partnerships haven't been great so I think that would be a weird one will Will they move Gil down the order which I don't think would be a good move and, or will they put Mayank in the middle order but then who do they get rid of like do they lose Vahari but I've, like I've just said I think he's you know, I think he's at least deserves another test. They bring in Saha to, to, uh, I mean, it's like Glenn said, if Ashwin's out, that really throws a cat amongst the pigeons, because then they bring in cool deep, probably then who, like, who else that's still cool deep. And then basically every team needs at least three Jadejas to survive because <laughs> he brings so much balance to that team so without him, it's so hard to have a team that works.
1: Will, what what are your thoughts of this? I think the main issue is going to be with who comes in for Jadeja. Because would you want to see India go into the fourth test with only four bowlers? I think that, that just seems a bit risky.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, literally everybody's injured at this point. So <laughs> a great situation all around. I know a couple of weeks ago, Zach mentioned that there was an Indian bloke who happens to live in Australia who can bowl a bit. So we might have to call him. <laughs>
1: I think it's time. I remember I was like, it's not going to get that bad. Don't worry. And then this test happened, So maybe it will.
2: Yeah. And I think, as you say, we're still waiting on, on news of Ashwin. It, it didn't sound good from, from what they were alluding to. He, was, he stood up all through the innings when he was watching in the dressing room. Cause he said, if he, he thought if he sat down again, he wouldn't be able to get up, which <laughs> doesn't sound great. It's that not the, healthy. It's not healthy. And the next test only starts in, in what, about four days. So I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised to to see him there. I think, in an, ide- in an ideal situation, it's probably Saha in for Jadeja, and you just accept a shorter tail. But if if Ashwin has to come out as well, you probably bring Saha and call Deep in, and sort of hope that um, that Saha, as a quote unquote specialist batsman, makes up for both Jadeja and Ashwin's batting, and you get a sort of slightly less um, less uh, mediated tail. It just becomes batsman down to Saha, and then basically four or
1: five, number 11s. I mean, I mean, what happens if, if Vihari can't play? What if that hamstring injury stops him? I think we're in real... I'm out of answers there, quite frankly. I've got the India squad in front of me and I keep just just nicking off people who are injured. Just play him anyway, right? I, I don't know. There's no other option.
2: I mean, it's weird that they've not... They've confirmed today just flying back to India, but they haven't said that of, of vihari because he's pretty obviously torn his hamstring. Um, <laughs> Which, which, again, probably will be my angst coming, coming straight for him.
1: Gee, that's pretty... That's quite soul-destroying. And especially when you hung on... Well, it wasn't dear life in the end. We thought it was going to be a dear life hang on. And then it wasn't hanging on. It was fine. But that could be, that could be a long, old fourth test match. We'll see, though. We'll see.
3: Yeah, I just think it's worth saying this is a pretty substantial amount of injuries. And I'm sure... You know, if we could do the maths and correlate it with being, um, you know, in in the pandemic and in these very restrictive um, living conditions, like it feels like there's too many injuries for like one series. I mean, we've had everything. I would say a couple of them obviously are uh, hand are injuries directly from the bowling, but we've also seen a lot of muscle injuries. Um, we've got the back. We've had a couple. Of, we've had a couple. Of, we had obviously, the hamstring. So yeah, I think it just. I think as well as having an extremely tough mental toll on the players, um, being in these lockdown areas is maybe having, it's coming to a stage where we could probably correlate it with more physical injuries as well. So these players are putting a lot on the line for, to have, to give us something to talk about. I think it's worth acknowledging that as well.
2: Yeah, it's a great point. And I just I credit to Jeff Lemon on Twitter, because I saw this earlier. He points out in India, almost have a really good injured 11 that could challenge.
3: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe that's a That'd poll for be. us.
2: The injured eleven is probably better than the starting eleven is going to be, right? Right. So, so injured or missing eleven currently for India is Kale Rahul, Virat Kohli, pe- presumably Vihari, Pant, Jadeja, Bhuvneshwar Kumar, Umesh Yadav, Ishant Sharma, and Mohammed Shami.
1: Oh, what a team! That would be fine. Imagine if that was available for the
2: fourth test. Who's
1: the your man
2: the, Who's your man from the IPL that we insist can bat? Uh,
1: Washington Sundar.
2: Washington.
1: Yeah. Oh, see, he would be perfect right now. He would be perfect right now, and he's a spinner and a great spinner at that. Can they fly him over in time?
2: You know who would actually be perfect, although he's definitely back in India? We have to mention his name once a podcast legally. No. Zach knows what's happening.
0: <laughs> Hardik <lovely>. Pandya. his
2: <laughs> sake. You
1: know what? I'd, man- I'd manage to forget about him. I'd manage to forget <laughs> about him. And then we didn't even mention him in the last one, and here we are again.
0: Never forget about Hardik Pandya. I mean, I have I have alluded to it before that Washington Sundar is the kind of heir to the Revenge Jadeja throne. So... Fly him over, maybe, surely. Just come on, let him, let him not have to quarantine. It's, <laughs> let it's <one> Washington. <laughs>
1: let one guy in, please. <laughs> Actually, the Next test starts in what well, three days, three hours and thirty-five minutes from. Um, I've got a countdown. Not this isn't a personal countdown clock. It's on the ICC website uh, from the day of recording. So let's just yeah, let's just fast track a bit of quarantine for Washington. Gee, imagine that middle order of Washington and Hardick, as like bowling options. Great batsman, Washington especially. <laughs> We can only dream, can't we? And it's going to be tricky for India. But let's let's have a quick review of the, their opponents who, I don't want to say threw away this test match, but were dominating the entire thing until um, Ashwin Vahari uh, settled down on day five. So let's start with Steve Smith. Um, a, a return to form. Was he ever out of form? Glenn, you, you called him off. You said the career was probably done. Um, yep. a, a decent, a very decent uh, week for him. He just gives these... Someone described it as chanceless, a chanceless innings, where the only time he ever offers up anything is when he eventually gets out and he's got, you know, more than fifty on the board.
3: Yeah, I mean it says a lot when he was run out by some exceptional fielding by DJ in that first innings because he was running out of partners. He got 131, and then Wade thirteen, Green None and Payne one, and then Cummings none. He literally was running out of people to bat with. So yeah, he he looked really good. He looked um, sixteen fours in that in that 131 he got. He looked very much in touch. And then yeah, he got an 81, which everybody watching assumed was going to be a straightforward hundred from there. And Ashwin got him LBW, and he just looked so frustrated because it was a mistake. And for him, that mistake did actually lead him losing his wicket. Um, yeah, he looked good. I'd also like to point us to to the young to the young guys coming into this Australia team. Uh, Pakoski looked excellent in that first innings. Um I think with the time difference, I'm sure quite a lot of us would have watched his 62. Um brilliant, brilliant stuff. He looked very assured. Um, obviously didn't translate that in the second innings. And then Green, um he obviously got a duck in that in that first innings. Um, and then he transformed it into a swashbuckling 84 that basically his innings put a win uh, just outside of India's reach, I think, because he scored nice and quickly. Six fours in that innings. I mean, he he really sped on. Um, and him and Payne actually put on an excellent um, stand for the, for the end of the second innings before they declared. So there was things to like for Australia. I think everyone's still doubting Wade. I think you know, this podcast doesn't see him as a test batsman. He got 13 and four, so didn't trouble the scorers there. But yeah, it was good to see Smith come back in and let's just make a nod to the abused uh, by the Australian cons Labuschagne, who looked excellent. He really looked in good touch. I think I prefer watching him to Smith. Just I don't, Maybe just because I really dislike Smith as a person. Yeah. <laughs> but he batted brilliantly and yeah, the batters did their job. The boulders didn't. I think it can be that simple. I think Australia should have bowled India out in that second innings, and they were too fixated with silliness to actually get their head down and do the job. Yeah, I like that you, you mentioned my
0: favourite Australian cricketer, Manus Labuschagne. I really like him. I think he's so likeable. And even like, he was doing a bit of sledging of Rohit Sharma, but it was all fun and games. It, it was, mm-hmm. see, Justin mm-hmm. Langer said in the Test documentary, banter's allowed. And if this isn't banter, I don't know what is. He said... That um, he asked, he was asking Rosham who his favourite Indian cricketer was, Kohli or Tendulkar. A fair enough question. And he also was asking him how, how, what he did in quarantine. Again, a fair enough question. Labashane <laughs> is just wondering what he's going to have to do when he goes into quarantine, which we presume he will have to at some point if he wants to play a, an away test. So that's, you know, that's all nice. And also, you know, he hit some runs. I think there's been a few a few people kind of thought that Labashain was just, you know, cause he had that one amazing summer last year, Australian summer last year. Everyone's kind of like, Oh, you know, he had a good summer. He's not actually that good. He's just, and everyone kind of says, Oh, he's trying to be Steve Smith and he might like Steve Smith. But I think he has his, you know, he has his own things. And I don't want to, I don't like the linking of him to Steve Smith because Steve Smith's a, a horrible bloke and Manus Labashain, you know, he's great. And I really like him. And I, I, I kind of, Part of me doesn't like watching him because I'm so conflicted because, obviously, he's an Australian batsman. So I want to see him lose his wicket. I want to see them all bowled out for nothing. But <laughs> I, I like him, so it's hard. And I, I do want to see him do well. And I want to see his lightsaber leaves. So it's 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 difficult. It's a, a mix of emotions. I
1: also hope the sort of caning he got from Simons and Warren doesn't stop him from being the idiosyncratic guy he is. And that's the reason we like him as... As Englishmen, um, we're not supposed to, as you rightly said, and and him and Smith, despite the fact I think we're all the same on Smith. They do, I don't think they complement each other. Like they don't complement each other like Pujara and Pant did because Smith and Labuschagne are very similar. But I think they both just really enjoy batting with each other, and you can kind of tell. And again, he's he's a chanceless guy. He won't give up a chance until in the first innings he he nicked off and got strangled on the leg side. And he, but, but before that, it just seemed so seamless for him. So it is good to an extent as an English fan to see him bounce back from that, from that huge summer and keep going. Uh, Great point on green as well. I think he's gonna be so useful for them at six. And then their tail really does start at Tim Payne. Um, He is, other than what he averages, I think 27, 28. Um, Ravi Ashton has more test hundreds than him. who he decided to, to give an absolute caning to on day five there. And, Should we talk about his wicket-keeping a little bit? Uh, Because three drops and, you know, giving given it all out and then doesn't take the catches his bowlers provides. And I want to say one more thing, actually, on on the bowling in that they should have bowled them out, but at at points, each bowler looked amazing. And this wasn't... I don't think this was them bowling bad. I can't quite put my finger on... Well, no, that gives you my answer, is that India batted so well that they just stunted one of the best attacks in the world right now. Um... And I think that, that when Warren was going about, on about the demons in the pitch because India were just batting so well that the demons that were there were quelled or calmed. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know; they just weren't around to kind of to spite them. So I don't think this was Australia bowling badly. I think it was India batting very, very well. I can't even remember what my question was now. What did, what did I ask? Why is Tim Payne the start of the tail?
0: Yeah, you, you what you mentioned about how bad Tim Payne is, and yeah, I that mean, it. I I think there's. There's a lot, like we've said about his batting's not great. He, the three drops, and especially the third one, where it it really looked like, and it has been described as, first slip was going to catch that. Yes, and he got in the way because he just had that big like debate with Ashwin and the fact that he had to be the winner. Mm-hmm. He had to, you know, he had to be the man, and it showed. <laughs> it like we've said before, the master slipping that it, it wasn't about the team then, because it was about the team. Then the first slip takes that catch. It was about Tim Payne, and like it can can he handle the pressure situations we saw him lose it, it headingly that that review that was you know that was two foot uh, pitched outside leg by two feet and then this when you know like he couldn't take the catches when his team were in a good position they should have won like he you know he batted well in the first first innings of the first game to drag them up to 180 or something but other than that He's not done much. And if he can't handle the pressure situations, you know, what's he doing? I do think there's been, this has been touted quite a lot on Twitter today. If they lose that test in, in the Gabba, surely he's gone.
3: Yeah, I agree. That was the point I was going to make Zach really nicely put. And after the state of his keeping, he's always been seen as someone who's not a great batsman, but at least his keeping's consistent. The fact that he did so badly yesterday, it's like, what does he offer the team? He's not a good batsman or consistent batsman. His keeping is usually good. I mean, he threw the game away quite literally for them yesterday. And if his captaincy is in doubt, as it should be, I love the 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 head in me, that LB was I think I was I think I was listening on TMS and I was just the, the image of it just made me laugh. Like such a horrendous review. Yeah, and then his, you know, really poor behavior on the field. He didn't look like a leader. He looked like a bit of a, you know, a bit of a dollar store um oh, an American reference, a bit of a pound, pound land bully. I mean it was just really uh, <laughs> what I was trying to say. No Americanisms really... on Cow Corner, please, Glenn. no nah, get you. it off, get it off. Um, yeah, I think he's run out of road. I don't think he offers anything to the Australian team anymore. And what he did have was a bit of respect as this unifier. He he burnt that yesterday. Why is he still sticking around? Get him out.
1: Absolutely spot on, both of you. Now on the head. No, no wicket keeping, no captaincy, no batting, no respect, no statesmanlike ship, and no banter either. So what? He's got nothing, has he? He can't even have a nice joke with people. So. Yeah, I- I'd be surprised if his time isn't up, even if uh, regardless of the result. But who who's there in waiting in Australia? Do they can they do that? Can they go back to Smith after everything that happened? Uh, what happens for Australia here? Do we? Does anyone have any any guesses or any
0: shouts? Make Marnus Labuschagne captain, Alex Carey <laughs> into wicket keep.
1: God, your obsession is is wild with Labuschagne. Your- my your Washington Sundar, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> But maybe if if Wade, Wade can keep, obviously, if he can get his batting together. He gave his wicket away twice, though, but he seems well in that team and has the same kind of attitude as Payne, so I'm sure that'll help all their issues at the minute. Um, bowling-wise, I just want to give a shout-out to the Seamers. I'm sure they're, they're craving a shout-out from me, but just their economy, and we don't... I'm obsessed with economy, but there were times when Cummins and Hazelwood in particular were nearly going for as many runs as over as they, as over as they bowled. For a pace that is rare... 4 for 29 from Cummins in the first of 21.4 overs and again well done for the Indian batsmen for you know stunting them slightly especially in the second innings but Australia wouldn't let them get away and we speak about Pujara's scoring rate and other batsmen's scoring rate but I don't think there was much chance at points to do that they did bowl so well um any changes for Australia do we reckon going into that fourth test i mean for me i think they look i'd keep that same 11 there's not not many other options screaming out Pokofsky and Green look good good a couple of good finds but Anyone else got any ideas for maybe some change in Australia? Or do you see that just the same same for the fourth?
0: I can't. I'd, I don't think I've heard of anything being touted. I mean, the only thing you can think of is just from if they got rid of pain, which obviously they're not going for the next test. It's Travis Head, who, again, everyone keeps saying is, you know, he's just a bit unlucky, isn't he, Travis Head? So if they're going to do anything Head for Wade, but I can't see them doing it. There's nothing... There's nothing that's kind of said that Wade's done particularly badly. I mean, he hasn't done great, but I don't I haven't seen anywhere in the media about how badly he's done. So I don't think I think they're just going to stick with the same eleven. They're happy with it. The bowlers, you know, they didn't take the wickets, but they're not going. They're not going to bring in any other bowlers because this is, you know, it's it's arguably the best attack in the world. So,
3: yeah, I agree. And I just want to say, is there an argument to? I'll, I'll go to Will on this. Is there an argument to make one of the bowlers captain? Stark, Hazelwood or Cummings nailed on does one of them I think correct me if I'm wrong but I think they kind of stayed away from the drama in the middle yesterday they seem all right people well do you reckon one of them could step in for pain
2: it's anyone but Payne, and you can't go to smith at this point so maybe
1: not wade <laughs> not matty wade for goodness <laughs>
2: sake <laughs> I think you cummins, for like it might be wade oh.
0: cummins cummins is vice captain and is supposedly a captain in waiting really? but there is but there is I mean, there, there seems like there's just something against in the world of cricket this unwritten rule that a bowler can't be captain.
1: That was that's exactly what I was going to say. When was the last bowler a captain? I can't name one.
0: An all-rounder, I can't like all
1: yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But... You let all-rounders away. I'm talking yeah, an out-and-out out bowler. It's just it's rare, isn't it? I, I didn't realise he was vice captain either. They can't and they can't give it Smith again. They can't do that or Warner's out. If you're looking at seniority, it is one of those two, isn't it? But it can't be. I mean, who else is them? The goat Nathan Lyon. I hate how they call him goat. By the way, it's just rubbish banter again, isn't it? And I know, again, okay, for listeners, we're all English. This is bound to be the case, and we do apologise. But that is that is objectively annoying, right? I
0: mean, he's not. He's not. He's not even. You know, he's not there. He's not even Australia's top wicket taker <laughs> in Test cricket. So how can he be the I greatest of all time? He's the of goat of off,
1: off spinners in Australia. It's Australia a niche one. Spinners. It's a niche goat. I'm. I'm. I'm the goat of sleeping in my bed. Uh, and that is I a thing but I'm the GOAT at it it's my thing he's the GOAT <laughs> <Yeah>. of Lions <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah, the best Lions play test cricket
2: yeah the only oh. other um, selection thing I, I, I don't know if he um, if there's any news on that but Pakovsky went off injured with his shoulder fielding um, so I don't know if he'll if he's, if he's back fit for the next test
1: that would leave probably oh gosh you can't bring Burns back and Warner didn't look fit did he Warner Got out in the first innings. It was like he was trying to just get on with it and not run between the wicket. He was limping in the field. So that's a that's an interesting one to look out for for sure. That's, that's a good point. Um Pukowski especially, who did look good. And then Warner, who looks still injured. But I think I'd rather an injured Warner over a fit, fully fit Joe Burns. I'm sorry. It that is just that is the case, isn't it? Um but I think that'll about wrap it up for this uh episode. Uh great chat with you guys. I really enjoyed that. I think we managed to You know, assess the bigger issues going on very well there. I enjoyed that chat a lot and then still be able to focus on the cricket. Uh, It's a well set up series. We we do have to keep looking at the cricket despite all that's going on around it. We're 1-1. The fourth test, as I said, now starts in, what, three days and three hours, roughly. Uh, Midnight UK, that'll be starting again on BT Sport for those of you who have it. Um, So we'll be back to review that, of course, and we'll see uh, what kind of result we get. And hopefully we can just talk about the cricket that week. And we haven't got any other issues to talk about. Um, So, Glenn, thank you so much
3: thank you it's a brilliant discussion it's great to be all in the same virtual room and talking it out it's been a really important part i feel
1: zach thank you so much thank you and will again thank you so much enjoyed that chat thank you very much and we will see you all for that review and there's plenty of other stuff coming up so thank you so much for listening